Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We are so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. This weekend, we are outside of our beloved series for the second week in a row, and I kind of apologize for that, but the reason is... Uh, When we scheduled this series, we had no idea we would be uh, launching a Tempe campus. And yeah, so I felt like I needed to uh, jump out of the series for a couple of weeks and kind of address where we are and what's going on. And and you know how I am. I like to involve you in the process. And and I believe it's the way God desires it to go. When you read through the Old Testament, you know, those that he had leading, they, they would immediately just involve the Israelites in the process. And so uh, I enjoy involving you in the process every step of the way. And this message is really one part history lesson, one part talking about what God's doing presently, and involves one part talking about where God is leading us. And if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 2. We're going to go through several chapters in Joshua Your homework, for those of you who are nerdy like me, this week is to read the first six chapters of the book of Joshua. It will help give you some understanding of where we are as a church because there are a lot of similarities. And so we're going to take a look at these chapters. And the title of this weekend's message is When Opportunity Knocks. When Opportunity Knocks. Now, we are talking about where we are as a church, but make no mistake, these principles apply to you. And your life, when God opens a door in front of you, there are some important steps you have to take in order to steward that transition well. And so I'm going to give you three things this weekend that I believe will help you anytime God opens a door before you. Here's point number one if you're taking notes, and if you're not taking notes, what's your problem? <laughs> point number one, pay attention to the signs. Pay attention to the signs. Now I'm going to give you two important signs along the path that it's important to pay attention to. And the first road sign, uh, whatever you want to call it is, look at what he has done. Look at what God has already done. Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 8, listen to what it says. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land. Such a strong statement. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. I love this next part. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Can I get an amen? Amen. That is powerful. Rahab basically walks the spies through a history of God's miraculous faithfulness. She is saying, this is why we in Jericho are so afraid of you Israelites. Because of what God has done. And then she ends with, the real reason everyone was afraid, and it was simple. For the Lord, your God. In other words, God is with you, and he is the God above heaven and 
earth. Now, when you're approaching a door that God opens up, it is important to take a look back at the miraculous faithfulness of your God. So let me kind of, some of you are new to our church and, and you, you look at this and you go, man, I love this church, this is a great church. Well, what, what you don't know about this church that you love is this church barely made it through the NICU the first 12 months, barely. I'll show you a picture of kind of the early days. Uh, this is the Scottsdale Center for the Performing Arts, 850 seats, uh, the vast majority of which are completely empty. Uh, <laughs> that's how we started. And that was the way we were supposed to start. It's amazing that we even made it through that season. I mean, think about it. Be honest. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But when you go to a church for the first time and there are 800 empty seats, you kind of see red flags a little bit. Like, um, 800 people are not here. and Maybe there's a reason there's only 60 here. Uh, it's amazing we made it through. Before we started around 35 churches in the five years before we planted this church had started and only four of them were still going when we started Gateway. And so it was almost impossible to make it through the beginning season because so many people had seen so many church plants fail in less than two years and we had to basically earn their trust that we weren't gonna go uh, down and, and you know, out of, out of commission. So that was the miracle. I'll give you another miracle. That Gateway Church planted us. Out of all of the churches, I was 18 years old when God told me the first time I came to Arizona that this is where I would plant a church. I was 18. Gateway hadn't even started. Out of all of the churches that God could have connected me with, that he would put me with one of the healthiest churches in America, not, not just one of the biggest or the fastest growing, the healthy, one of the healthiest churches in the country that God's hand is upon. I could have been hooked up with any church that it was gateway. That's miraculous. And let me just tell you, it wasn't because God loved me. I believe the reason God connected me with gateway is because God loved you. That's the reason. That was a miracle. I'll give you another miracle. Brad Larson. Brad Larson is a certifiable miracle. He was pastoring a church up here in North Scottsdale. I had never met him before. And I did a study of all the senior pastors and churches within a, a certain mileage of us and saw that he was friends with a church Pastor Robert is very close friends with and uh, had never met him. And a year, almost a year before we started the church, I felt the Lord say to me in my quiet time one morning, this guy is going to one day bring his church under yours and the two of you are going to cross the finish line together many, many years from now. We'd never even met. Talk about an arranged marriage. I never even met the guy and God's saying, hey, you don't even know this guy exists and he doesn't know you exist, but the two of you were created to do ministry together and you're going to do it together for a really long time. It's a miracle. Then when we stepped out in faith to hire him and go daddy through the kitchen sink at him, he, he was bivocational, uh, working full-time at GoDaddy, started early at GoDaddy, uh, and was not taking a dime from the church he was pastoring for nine straight years. Working at GoDaddy, God was blessing him, giving immense favor. When we offered him the job, he stepped down at GoDaddy, GoDaddy threw the kitchen sink at him, and eventually, in four days, the CEO sits down with him and begs him to stay. He wouldn't tell me any of this. His wife had to tell me. And they offered him tons, I'm not going to, tons of money, tons, uh, literally a dump truck of money <laughs> and a vice president level position at a company like that. 
And Brad didn't even bat an eye and said, this is where God's called me to. I know it doesn't make sense to you guys, but this is what God's called me to do. That's crazy. He's literally crazy. (laughs) My wife said when, when she found out everything that he turned down, she said to Brad's wife, Noelle, uh, I can just tell you, I don't think I would have let Preston turn that down. <laughs> and I said to my wife, well, I'm glad you're not married to Brad. <laughs> but he's a miracle. We would not be where we are today as a church without God using Pastor Brad Larson. He's a miracle. There have been so many miracles along the way. I, I'll give you another miracle. This building is a miracle. Some of you were here when this, this room was only the back portion of this room and the stage was up there and there was blood at the front of the altar. I think some people left our church because when we would say the altar is a place where things come to die and some would come up and see blood and go, no, no, I'm, this is not the church for me. <laughs> These people are literal scripturalists. No, no. Uh, it, it was not that pretty when the Lord said, I want you to move north and I want you to come to this building. I literally said to the Lord, there is no way. I am not moving into that building. I don't know why I do that from time to time. And he, he gives me that kind of wry, sarcastic look. Like uh, I said to the Lord, that's foolish. It would be foolish to move up there. And I felt like his response was, you were the fool. <laughs> we move up here. It's been miraculous. Listen, we were 21 months old, barely making it at the time. Probably about 230 people max. We had $800 in our church savings account, $800. You talk about paycheck to paycheck? And of course I didn't tell the staff, but every week I was like, I don't know how we're gonna pay (laughs) y'all. We had nothing. God was faithful though. We moved into this building, the church that was here before uh, had gone through some struggles and, and weren't making their rent payment and had to leave their assets behind because of it. So we move in, we couldn't have afforded the chairs that were in that room let alone we didn't have the money for the projectors and screens. Some people would walk in and go, man, these projectors are horrible. When you have no money, they're amazing. <laughs> it was miraculous. We, God took care of everything all along the way. And sometimes when God opens a door that's gonna involve some crazy faith, wisdom would say, turn around and look at the crazy faithfulness of God in times past. God's been faithful. There have been miracles all along the way. It's also important to look at what he's doing. The other sign to look at, what is he presently doing? Look over in Joshua chapter 3, verse 9. So Joshua told the Israelites, come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. That's a lot of ites God was driving out of the land. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth. I love when he talks like that. The Lord of the whole earth will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. Again, in case you didn't get it the first time, he's the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, The flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. In other words, it was unrestrained flow. 
except there's one who could restrain him. As soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up as though it were a servant to the Most High God, a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. God was doing this on their way to Jericho. We haven't even gotten to the miracle of Jericho. They are crossing the Jordan supernaturally. Now, let's talk for a moment about what God is doing among us right now. Let me show you a picture. These are two pictures from the inside of of our about-to-be Tempe campus. Uh, The next one will kind of give you a better shot of the auditorium. it's a, it's a touch smaller than this one, about 550 seats. This is about 600 and change, uh, nearly the same size. We, we couldn't today have built what God is giving us for tomorrow. We, we couldn't have done it right now. And God has set it on a T. But it goes so much further than God just giving us a building in another city. Think about this for a minute. Here's something miraculous God is doing right now. This is becoming more of a trend, that's the wrong word to use, but churches are coming together more and more all across the country to pool their resources and to become uh, more aggressive in advancing the boundaries of God's kingdom. This is becoming more normal. But I'll tell you, as many churches as are doing this in the country, there's something happening between our two churches that I'm going to step out on a limb and say is not happening with anyone else. Here's what's happening. A couple of years ago, Christ Life Church, the church that will now become our Tempe campus, they established their vision and mission by taking Gateway Church's vision and mission and making it their own. They show Gateway messages from time to time in their services. The heart is there. God has been doing this real time. I would venture to say, There are not two churches coming together that have the exact same vision and mission. We're on the same page. Only God could do that, and it was happening years ago. God is doing this among us right now. It's important when we approach an open door to look at what God has done in the past, but also to look at what he's doing right now in the moment. That leads us to point number two, and I believe this is the most important thing. When we approach an open door that God has opened for us, point number two, follow his lead. Follow his lead. Now think about this from Joshua's perspective for a moment. He has just been used to part the Jordan, all right? Now I know that's not as impressive as the Red Sea. I I get that, all right? But let me just ask you a question. How long is the line of people in scripture whom God used to part a body of water. It's not that long, okay? The Jordan has just been parted. Now, there are kind of two options as far as how Joshua could probably be feeling at the time. The first option is he's kind of feeling his oats a little bit. Like, I just parted the Jordan. I know it's not the Red Sea, but Moses and I are the only two in the line of people whom God has used to open up a body of water and for the Israelites to walk across. That's me, 
Okay, that's one option. And I don't think that's how he was feeling at the time. The other option is that he was feeling the weight, the responsibility, and the pressure of moving forward after such a great miracle. And, and what we see Joshua doing as we come to this chapter, he has gone away from camp at Gilgal and he is assessing the situation of Jericho, the first city they have to conquer in order to occupy the promised land. So like any good leader, he is going ahead and he's taking a look at what it's going to take to occupy, to conquer this city, all right? And look what happens in Joshua chapter 5 as he is assessing Jericho. Verse 13, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua wisely fell with his face to the ground in reverence. And then he says what I believe is the wisest thing recorded in scripture, Joshua says. He says, I am at your command. He falls on his face, and <coughs> excuse me, in the presence of the pre-incarnate Christ and says, I am at your command. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your flip-flops. Take off your shoes, because where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Now, you may not realize this, but Joshua chapter 5 is very important to us as a church. I, I mean, it is one of the passages this church is built upon. And I'll tell you why. Yes, we have elders here at this church whom God has tasked with governing in this house. Yes, we have a senior pastor whom God has tasked to lead this house, but make no mistake, the head of this house is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. I am not the head of this house. This isn't my house, it's his. He is the one at the head of the table. Joshua chapter five, if there was any part of Joshua who was kind of walking with a swagger going, Ha, just part of the Jordan. That was all gone. The second pre-incarnate Christ. Remember, Jesus shows up in pre-incarnate form before he comes to the earth fully God, fully man several times. This is one of those times. Joshua wisely falls on his face and says, listen, I know who you are. I am at your command. I am not the commander of this army. I'm here to do whatever you say. Tell me what you want me to do. And I love that Jesus says, I'll tell you what to do. Take your shoes off because where you're standing is holy. Joshua chapter five gives me as the senior pastor of this church the playbook on how to lead God's people. It's simply to do two things, to do whatever God says and to prize the presence of God. That's it, that's it. Why was the ground holy? Because the pre-incarnate Christ was standing on that ground. It wasn't because Joshua just parted the Jordan. Listen, you might be thinking, well, how does this apply to me? I know this is good for you, Preston, as a leader in the church, but how does it apply to me? Let me tell you. One of the worst things you can do when approaching a door that God has opened before you 
is give in to the temptation to grab the steering wheel and start making decisions on your own. It is the worst thing you can do. You've probably heard me say this before. One of my favorite things about the ark that God commissioned Noah to build. God gave him the blueprint. And when you go study the blueprint of the ark, there is no steering wheel. There's no rudder to steer it. And here's why. Two things. Noah had no idea where he was going. And even if he knew where he was going, he didn't know how to get there. So God removes the steering wheel and says, listen, it's on me to get you where I want you to go. You just need to obey. Build this ship exactly like I tell you. I'll make sure the ship gets where I want. Okay, the worst thing you can do as you're approaching a door of opportunity that God and God alone open is to give in to the temptation to grab the wheel and start making decisions. As sheep, we're called to follow the shepherd. Sheep are not smart enough to lead themselves. That's why God gave us the shepherd and sending his son to be the head of the body of Christ, the head of the church, is Jesus, the shepherd. Okay, we are created to follow his lead. That leads us to point number three. We have to answer the call. When God knocks, we must answer the call. I talked a little bit about this last week, but I want to show you within the context of of, uh, the first six chapters of Joshua, I think God shows us a couple of things that he asked the Israelites for, but really when God knocks, uh, he, he fairly consistently asks for these two things as we approach the door. And here's the first of the two. And if you're taking notes, remember, write this down because this is going to come in handy. If you're not taking notes, you're just saying to the Lord, I don't think you're ever going to open a door for me. So take great notes right now. Here's the first way to answer the call. I believe God says to the Israelites, do something crazy for me. As you approach this door of the promised land, I want you to do something crazy. Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Tempe. Sorry, Jericho. It's king. I do that all the time. And all its strong warriors. I personalize scripture. You should too. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Time out. This is crazy talk. They're about to have to go conquer a city. And God says, hey, this is the first one. Uh, I'd like you to do something crazy for me. I just want you to go walk around the the walls of the city. What do you mean, God? We got to go conquer. Yeah, uh I know. And the first essential step to you conquering the city is walking around the walls. It's crazy talk. He says, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests, give one long blast on the ram's horns. Have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. This is craziness. You have to understand, when God opens a door that has supernatural implications, that involve expanding the boundaries of his kingdom, you have to understand, when God opens a door like that, Crazy is always going to be involved. 
He is going to ask you to do some crazy stuff. Now, very quickly, let me give you three reasons, in my opinion, why God gives us crazy assignments as we approach big doors of opportunity. Here's the first reason. Crazy keeps us close to him. Crazy requests from God keep us closer to God. If you feel like you can do it in your own strength, you will give in to the temptation to walk in your own strength, not his. So he asks you to do something crazy because he knows. You will figure out, I can't do this by myself. And that will cause you to draw nearer to him. When God gives you a crazy request, I believe his top motivation is to bring you to himself even closer. Because crazy makes you press in and walk in the Lord's strength, not just your own. Here's the second thing. Crazy builds our faith when God comes through. When God asks for something crazy, it increases our faith. When he tells us to walk around the walls, and it makes no sense whatsoever, but then at the end of the seventh day, when we've done whatever God said we should do, when the walls come down, our faith goes up. It's one of the reasons God asks you for crazy. And can I just let you in on a little secret? Because some of you, think you're a lot more amazing than you are. You are amazing, but not for the reasons you think you are. Let me just let you in on a little secret. God never asks sane people to do crazy things. I'm not just going to hope you figure that out. Let me translate that for you. He finds you crazy. You, in God's eyes, are cray-cray but a good kind of cray-cray. What is crazy to God? When he finds a group of people who will do whatever he says, no matter how ridiculous it appears to everyone else. Crazy is when he finds a group of people who believe him so much so that they'll do whatever he says, knowing that God has the power to do whatever he wants. That's crazy. God asks us to do crazy, Because when he comes through, it builds up our faith. And here's the third reason. Crazy ensures God is the only one to get the credit and the glory. Think about this. Come on now. The people walk around the walls of Jericho. The the people in Jericho are watching, thinking, man, we have been afraid of these people. And all they're doing is walking around our walls. If you've watched VeggieTales, keep walking. This is great. This is one of my favorite VeggieTale cartoons. But you won't knock down our walls. Keep walking. Sorry. (laughs) Jericho's watching this. And it appears as though these crazy Israelites are weak. But then on that seventh day, as everyone starts to shout, the people of Jericho on the inside of the walls are hearing the sound of rumbling rocks more than they're hearing the shouts of the Israelites. Who looks strong now? The crazy ones. The crazy ones. And they're not crazy because they walked around the walls. They're crazy because they were obeying a crazy request. And hear my heart. I'm not talking about a bad kind of crazy. I'm talking about the world would call it crazy. God calls it beautiful. 
he does that, he says, do something crazy for me. This is the first city, and I'm gonna make a statement that I'm with you, and it's on me to do this. All you need to do is obey. When God approaches, uh, has us approach an open door, he says, do something crazy. Let me show you what crazy looks like. This is a picture of the front of our new Tempe campus. On the left side, you can see the auditorium, and then on the right side, you see an unfinished steel building. And I'll tell you a little bit of the story because this right here, I want you to lock your eyes on this, especially on the right side. If you wanna know what crazy looks like, this is what crazy looks like right here. Okay, here's the backstory. Christ Life Church, several years ago, started building an educational building for their children and students. And their goal was to build it for cash. And as they move forward, they got about, that, that represents about 20, 25% of the building they were trying to build in steel. And the, the funds kind of ran out. And so they had to stop. That was two and a half years ago. And it's been in steel for the last two and a half years. And imagine the toll it takes on you when everyone drives by and and you kind of feel like this, we're the church that couldn't finish and how the enemy has messed with them. And by God's grace, God is bringing in. We're, we're not the hero. I want you to understand this. And I'm, I'm helping Christ Life Church understand. Uh, you are not the victim and Gateway is not the hero. God alone is the hero. We're not coming to save the day. We're coming in to obey. So don't get it twisted. This is not Big Bad Gateway taking over another church and going, we know what to do. No, God knows what to do, and we know what to do, and that is follow God's lead and do whatever he says. But crazy is a steel building. When God comes to a group of people in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he says, I want you to adopt this this family. I want you to bring them into your family. And I know after your first round of renovations in this building going so well, I know that some of you are thinking the next step is to have our own building. We don't own this building. We're renting it. I I know that many of us are thinking the next step is for Scottsdale to have its own main campus. And God kind of giggles and goes, let me ask something crazy. This is your first extension campus. I'm going to ask you, to help finish their building. They've put a million and a half dollars into that building already. It would be a tragedy to tear all of that down. And I believe it would not be honoring to the Lord to take the funds God has invested and to just tear it all down. I believe God's calling us to finish that building so that we can provide the ministry he has called us to provide to the families in the surrounding areas of Tempe. But it's crazy to look at a church in Scottsdale and go, Will you help me? This is God. Will you help me? By raising up this family, even though you might not personally benefit here on the earth. And you need to know, he wouldn't be asking you if he didn't already know you were crazy. You've already proven yourself faithful in the area of craziness. Well done by you. And that's why God is doing this. The second thing that God says, he asks of the Israelites, and I believe he asks of us and is asking of us right now, give something crazy to me. He says, do something crazy for me. Give something crazy to me. Verse 15, 
of Joshua 6. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Such a great statement. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. I'll explain that in a moment. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction, or you yourselves will be completely destroyed. And you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. Okay, let's talk about this for a moment. Why is God doing this? Why is he saying, and I, and I could go even further, scripture goes much further, and God says, listen, anybody who tries to rebuild the city of Jericho will be cursed and their family will be cursed forever because Jericho belongs to me. Now, why was God saying that Jericho belonged to him? It's very simple, because it was the first. It was the first. It's the principle of first fruits. So Jericho was not mathematically a tithe, but it was the first. The tithe is a first fruit. God says, Jericho belongs to me. Everything of value in here comes into my house because this is my city. Now, it's important to understand that God established this principle of first fruits. The firstborn was consecrated, dedicated to God. And when the first was consecrated to God, the rest were blessed. This is the reason that Holly and I named our firstborn child, Riley Elizabeth Morrison. Elizabeth means consecrated to God because we want the rest to be blessed. This is our first extension campus. Now, next weekend, and I told you last weekend, that next weekend we're going to do something that we do every once in a while here. We call it a miracle offering. This offering I feel like the Lord's actually asked for it to be called first fruits offering. Not to confuse you, this is not our tithe. This is our first extension campus. And we are making a statement to the Lord to say, God, this belongs to you. The rest of them do too, but we want your blessing upon every campus that you ask us to take. And so we're gonna make a strong statement on this first one by doing something crazy. We're gonna sow into a project that most of us will not personally benefit from here on the earth. Here's what I'm asking you to do. You should have all been given this card. If you didn't, make sure you get one before you leave. I'm asking you to pray this week about two things. We're going to do a first fruits offering next weekend where we give over and above our tithe, but then I'm asking you, we have a soft launch in Tempe, May the 13th, uh, and we'll spend the summer stabilizing the campus, preparing it, for a big launch in the middle of August once everyone goes back to school. So there's basically around 100 days. And I'm asking you to pray about sowing into the ministry that God is asking us to deliver in Tempe with a one-time gift next weekend. If this is your church home, if this is not your church home, I do not want you to feel like you have to be a part of this. But if God has connected you here, I'm asking you not to come up with a number. I'm asking you to ask the Lord, what do you want me to sow into this? A one-time gift, and then I'm asking you to take a step of faith and over the summer to give over and above your tithe. And everything that we give is going to go into our Tempe campus. 
And there are some, there are some challenges ahead. Um, but God is, we, we know, God has been faithful. He is faithful. He's going to be faithful as long as we obey everything he says. So will you commit to praying this week and just asking the Lord, God, what, what would you have me sow into this? It's crazy that you'd even think about it as crazy. That you'd even pray about it is crazy. I entitled this message, When Opportunity Knocks, and I intentionally inaccurately entitled it such. Because many people would look at what's happening with this Tempe campus and say, that seems like a great opportunity. And it does. But Jesus says in the book of Luke, he, he makes a strong statement. He says, to whom much is given, much is required. But to whom much is entrusted to, even more will be required. Here's what I feel like God has done with Christ Life Church and our Tempe campus. I feel like God came to us as a family, put a baby on our front doorstep, and said, guys, I have sowed into this baby's life for many years. I have protected this baby for many years through some very difficult things. I've provided for this child. I have led this child. I have spoken to this child. But now I'm asking you to adopt this child and bring this baby into your family to care for this child the way I would and to raise this child up to become a healthy, fully functioning member of my family. And here's what I think has happened. God found just enough crazy people who will look him back in the eyes and say, God, we will give you whatever you ask for. We will do whatever you tell us to do. And we will do whatever we must do to make sure that this baby becomes a supernaturally living nightmare for every power and principality temporarily reigning over the city of Tempe. Bottom line, he's crazy and so are you. But this is how the kingdom of God advances. When the world looks on and says, there's no way, God says, I am the way. I'm going to prove a point. And the fun part is, we get to go along for the ride. Opportunity isn't knocking. Responsibility has come calling. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.